Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to your monthly fix of great stories from the Dublin Story Slam. The Dublin Story Slam is a monthly open mic storytelling night that takes place in the Sugar Club in the heart of Dublin City. And this podcast celebrates all kinds of stories from ordinary and honorary Dubliners with extraordinary tales. The one thing they all have in common is that they are true. They are personal and they're told live on stage at the Dublin Story Slam. This is the Dublin Story Slam podcast. My name is Julian and I produce the Dublin Story Slam and joining me is the man who takes the audience by the hand and gently guides them through the full range of human emotions every single month. It's a regular Story Slam host, Mr. Colm O'Regan. Thank you. What a wonderful introduction. Hello, everyone. So on the second episode, um, Colm, we wanted to share some stories that would bring a smile. Do you have any particular date night stories that uh, you remember or that you're willing to share? Well, I once went speed dating and that seems, it seems so long ago now that speed dating was actually a way that people used to meet people. It's like me saying, I once met a girl on a steamship. But there was a time when speed dating and not in the, well, it's kind of like speed dating, but it's actually a business networking event way. Speed dating in the actual way it was designed, I think it was like how long? 11, 13 years ago. Right. I went well, speed how, how dating. How long is the actual Four date? minutes. Four minutes. And you move along the table and it is actually quite scary because you can spend the fir- you can spend three of the four minutes talking about what a ridiculous situation that is. You can do that for the first couple of dates. But by the time you get to the third or fourth, people are both jaded with that opening gambit. And it was an exercise in, for some of the dates, complete incompatibility. You know, where you don't blame the other person. You just realize that we two will never click and we're not we're not annoying each other as such, but we are jarring. Was there at any point where you decided to stop the conversation early because of just what's the point? Four minutes is probably enough to string it out for a while, but there was a few. If it's possible to have long silences in a four minute period, uh, I'll ask anybody who's ever done open mic comedy, there are long silences in that. But it was, now that I think of it, possibly one of the scarier things I've done, even as somebody who stands up in front of people, that's different because it's more adversarial and you can you can cover yourself in, in your shield. But uh, with, with the speed dating, it was pure nakedness, pure nudity, emotional nudity. 
Uh, okay, well, our first story is, uh, I don't know if it has the same level of fear, but it definitely has fear in it. Uh, it's from a guy called Russ, and the theme of the night, actually, believe it or not, was fear. And he tells a story about going on a date, but it's not your typical kind of date. It's just basically more going for a drink with his grandfather. So there's nothing romantic involved here, but we just loved the story. Is... Oh, it's Ross O'Neill, ladies and gentlemen. Man, man who slipped it in there like that. Johnny Cool. Good man, Ross. I fixed her the mic there. I have to be the second to compose yourself. How's it going? My story is about myself and my grandfather. We traveled to New York uh, a long time ago, and we stayed in the Waldorf Hotel. Yeah, I know. Uh, it wasn't not me, obviously. It was his expense. And he, we were staying uh, really high up uh, in the hotel, and my grandfather, I, I really need to explain this to you, my grandfather is not the typical uh, Werder's original grandfather. He is the type of guy that would look at you and cut you in two, right? You're scared to death of this man, like, and my family relatives included. Um, we were staying in the hotel, and uh, my parents, after, you know, a few days, my parents wanted to go out for a meal, just themselves, and I'm minding my grandfather, and he was, he was 89, like really quite old, and he was a pioneer. Now, if you don't know who, what a pioneer is, it's somebody that doesn't drink for religious reasons or other reasons for I don't know what they are, and I won't ask. And he, he said to me, all of a sudden, because it's just the two of us, and we're just you know spending the evening together, and he goes, let's go for a drink. Now, I thought that might be a test, that, you know, was like, Granddad, you haven't drank all your life. And I was like, no. And also, he's 89. You know, you don't know what's going on in this person's mind at any moment's notice. And he's like, I'm in New York. And he met my grandmother in New York when in the 1940s. Like, he's gone through two wars. You know, um, he mentioned that on a frequent basis as well. Not that he fought in any of them or anything, <laughs> but he met my grandmother there and he's like, I'm with my grandson, I'm going to bring you out for a drink, I know that you drink, so I'm going to bring you in. So we're in the top, you know, we're really high up in one of these elevators, you know, like really high up and we're getting in an elevator and we, we get in and, you know, when you're in one of these hotels, like you go down like flights, like 40, 50 stories all the way down. And it's a really, like, well, it's really old style ones. And we get in, doors close, going down as normal, stops on, like, the 24th, 25th floor, uh, opens up. And, uh, like, a beautiful woman and a man enters the, they're all dressed to the nines. Or, you know, she's wearing a gown. And they're go- clearly going to a ball or something. We, you know, we take a step back. You know, they get in ahead of us. Doors close minute it closes I'm like grand you know and next thing my grandfather goes there was blood everywhere (laughs) blood on the walls blood on the ceiling blood dripping from the tiles I was like and I'm not like that I was like what and like the, the people in front of us are not moving, you know, just not moving. Uh, it's like, you know, just pool of blood. 
I was like, now he's 89. He has acute dementia. There is a mix of fear that this is either made up or he may have done something in his life <laughs> that this is all coming together and he's decided to tell us in this elevator. And then he goes, and he was just lying there. There's a person now. There's a person. Like, this is all in my mind. Because when you have an old elderly person, you have a grandparent, like, they're, you know, they have dementia or Alzheimer's, you do not want to engage because that will keep it going. That will make it go down more avenues. But all I'm thinking is now there's a person. Did he kill somebody? And then he goes, he was just lying there, covered in blood. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he, you know, I was like, he looked at you. Well, he's alive. That's, that's a good sign. And next thing he goes, it's all I'm thinking to myself is I'm looking at the dial. I'm like, I'm hoping that, that little ding, I'm hoping that'll appear at any moment. It's going down, you know. Like 12, 11, 10. And then he said, you, I looked at him and he looked at me. And I said, good God, man, what has happened? And the two people are standing there. You know, just like, I'm just seeing the backs of them. I've seen them once. But you can kind of tell by their ears that they're, you know, going, what the fuck? And then... The dial's going down, five, four, three, two, and then my grandfather goes, I said, what has happened? And you know what he said to me. The lobby door's open, he walks out the door. <laughs> the two people in front of me, not moving at all, he goes through them, they kind of do a bit of a, like, what, you know, and I go after him. Now, at that moment in time, I'm really worried about my grandfather. Like, because I'm like, what? Oh, just, ah, has he, like, what has happened in this person's life? I run up and I say, like, Grand Grandad, Grandad, are you, are you okay? And he goes, oh, oh, yeah, fine. And I was like, no, no. Well, actually, more importantly, what the fuck did he say to you? <laughs> and then he goes, what? What do you mean? And I was like, the, 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 the guy, the guy, the, the guy, the pool of blood. Duh. And he goes, Oh, oh, no, nothing, nothing. That's just my elevator story. <laughs> oh, man. Did I do that before, or before that or after that? What was great about that story was, as he told, say, the first two minutes of it, it could have been it could have been about three or four other things. It reminded me of a Simpsons episode. You know, the way the Simpsons episode will start with one thing and it's purely a device to get into what is actually this the episode about. So I was wondering, is it about the granddad going out drinking? Is it about him and the son having a heart to heart chat? But it's not the the story it's the story stops and the elevator door opens and that's just great I wonder what what kind of story the couple had to tell to their friends after that night I would love if by some amazing coincidence they had been in the audience and it had solved a years long mystery <laughs> for them 
That was, of course, Ross with possibly uh, the ultimate elevator story. Uh, Ross, uh, again, wasn't a winner uh, on the night, but uh, we just loved that story. Uh, We're going to play another story for you. Uh, This one is a winning story that was taken uh, from a night where the theme was Love Hurts. And in this particular story, that takes on a very literal um, uh, definition uh, from Lauren Burns, who went on to win um, with this uh, uh, amazing story. Um, do, you, do you remember when this was, when I that do. story was told? I remember it was also the last story on the night. And I think it followed some beautiful tales of love lost and love found again. And I think the audience was glowing after all these stories. It was just a lovely, warm feeling in the air. Exactly. And then Lauren gets up and tells a story about a date night that just did not go well. A date early evening, you could call it. This is Lauren Burns. Huge welcome to Lauren Burns, ladies and gentlemen. Lauren Burns. There's Lauren. There's Lauren. She's coming down there, so we'll have a second... Second wave of applause for Lauren as she makes her way up to the stage. Welcome, Lauren. There you go. Welcome, Lauren. So I think, like, everyone's stories have been quite hopeful and, and full of love, and unfortunately, <laughs> I'm kind of here to offer a different side of love. Um, so about 12 years ago, I was in a well-known pub in Dublin called Flannery's, and I was newly single, and I was out with a load of girls, and one of the girls had come in with her boyfriend, and her boyfriend had bought, brought his friend with him. And, like, I wasn't even, like, there wasn't even, like, any attraction at all. But after <laughs> several vodkas and Red Bull, we ended up, I'd say, like, just full-on wearing the face off each other. <laughs> so... He kind of got my number because I probably kind of gave it to him. Um, and then the next day, back at home, waking up with the beast of a hangover. I'd gotten all these text messages from him asking, did I want to go out, like go shopping? He was like furnishing a flat or something. I was like, no. So I had to kind of fend him off for a few days, and that was grand that I didn't hear from him for ages. And then like three months later, I got a text from a number that I didn't know. It turns out it was the book of himself. Anyway, so he said... Do you want to go on a date? I was like, do you know what? Fuck it. He asked me. I was like, it's a brave thing to do. So I said, yeah, fine. So he said, will we go to the cinema? And I said, yeah. And he said, what, like about nine o'clock? And I was like, no, no, no. Let's keep it early, like six (laughs) o'clock. So that was fine. So we kind of, a Thursday at six o'clock, we had arranged to go. So I was driving there anyway. But if you've ever been to Liffey Valley on a Thursday, like the car park was fucking wedged. (laughs) So I had to park miles away. So I was walking down anyway, kind of a bit of a fag to kind of steady the nerves, and I saw him outside the door, and my heart just sank. I was like, oh, fuck. It's like... (laughs) The beer goggles had, like, completely gone at that stage, and he was just there in all his glory. So I was like, look it, we're just going to do this now, and that's the end of it. So we said hello anyway and that was grand and he said he had bought the tickets and I was like okay that's kind of nice so I was like I'll, I'll get the popcorn so we went up to the, the man at the, the popcorn desk and I said you know <laughs> we just get like two drinks and two popcorns and he kind of whispered to me and I was like what you don't like fucking popcorn I was like okay fine I was like just one popcorn then and two drinks and then the fucker behind the counter said, well, it's actually cheaper to get the couple's combo. <laughs> so he kind of looked at me, hopefully, and I was like, fine. 
So he landed us down like two jacuzzi-sized buckets of coke and this whopper thing of popcorn. So I was kind of like walking in with this. So anyway, at six o'clock in the cinema, I don't know if you've ever been to the cinema at six o'clock, but there isn't a sinner in the cinema. So we got in anyway, we were seeing Superbad. I don't know if you've seen it. And um, we got in and the cinema was empty. And he said, uh, do you want to sit up the back? And I was like, no, I don't want to sit up the back. I was like, we'll sit up the front. So we sat at the front anyway, and while the, the kind of the ads were on, we were chatting away, and it was grand. And I swear to God, the second the film starts, he just lobbed the god <laughs> right on me. So I was really like, oh, what are you doing? And he was like, no, let's just kiss. And I was like, let's not just kiss, okay? So I was like, let's just watch the film. So I was sitting on the inside, and out of the corner of my eye, I could see that he kept moving his lips to be in line with my lips. So anytime I would slouch down, he would slouch down, and then if I sat up, he would sit up. So the only option I had to keep my lips busy was to eat the popcorn. So I was like shoveling this bucket of popcorn into my mouth. And it was really, really salty. So then of course I had to attack the fucking jacuzzi size coat. So I was like guzzling it down and like halfway through I realised then that I really had to go to the toilet. That's when I knew I was in trouble because he was either going to try and kiss me on the way in or the way out and I just wasn't having it. So I was like, I'll just have to hold it. So I did hold it anyway until we were kind of getting towards the end of the film and I just kind of leaned over and I was like, look, I really have to wee. So I'm just going to run out really quickly when this is over. And he was like, yeah, okay, fine. So I kind of like squeezed past him and like raced out to the toilet. And after I'd done my business, I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, what am I going to do to stop him from wanting to kiss me when we get out of the cinema? So, you know, like the, the kind of the Vaseline jobs you get in your bag. So like with three fingers, like I full on scooped it out. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Right across my face. Like, it was in my mustache. It was like thick on the lips. So I was like, this has to be it now. No one is going to want to kiss this. So he was waiting for me outside, and I was like, oh, with all the Vaseline. 
And no, no, no. So as we were walking, he put his hand like on my arse. So I had to walk really quickly to stop him from touching me. So then I realised at that point that I was going to have to put the big guns. So in the cinema, I took out a cigarette and lit it up. <laughs> he was like, um, oh, I didn't, I didn't realise he smoked. And I was like, oh, smoking all the time. Smoke, 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 love it. So we got outside anyway, and he was like, um, do you want to come and sit in my car? And I was like, no. And he was like, I have a duvet in the back. And I was like, what? And he was like, no, no, it's okay, I'm moving house. And I was like, oh, no. So I was like, I'm just going to go. And he was like, fine, I'll walk you to your car. And then I was like, oh, fuck, I'm parked miles away. So... I couldn't make the cigarette last long enough. I was like full on smoking the butt, so I had to let it go. So of course, mouth freed up again. So we eventually got to where the car was parked. And we kind of stood and did the whole like, I was like, please Jesus, you know, just let this be over now. And he tried to like lean me against the back of the car to throw the lips again. So I kind of had to like nip out. And I was really like, okay, yeah, thanks very much, bye. So I got into the car bag, of course, straight into the mouth, lit it up, didn't even look behind me, car straight into reverse, and I just felt this push. And I was a bit like, what the fuck is that? So I like rolled down the window, like fag still hanging in the mouth, I was like, and I, I just saw him getting to his feet, and the two knees were cut out of his jeans, and his two knees were bleeding. And I was just like, are you all right? And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, thanks. And so I just, like, I just had to leave, like, I just had to go. So, so about two weeks later, and I'm getting all the dings now, so I will finish up. About two weeks later, I still wasn't right after it, like, I was still kind of reliving it, a bit like post-traumatic stress disorder. And out of the corner of my eye, <laughs> didn't I see him there wearing a T-shirt that said FBI, female body inspector? <laughs> and he had managed to find himself another girl. And he looked at me, threw his arm over and went... <laughs> I think there will come certain points uh, when we hear stories on the podcast where there is a visual cue uh, that the audience at home is, is missing. So what was Lauren doing at that very end as she finished her story? Well, the gentleman who was wearing the female body inspector T-shirt had put his arm around his new uh, squeeze. And the gesture, as I remembered on the night, was along the lines of he kind of, with his thumb, gestured towards his new girlfriend with the indication or implication of check that out I've moved on ha ha this could have been booyah. you this could have been you exactly it's a classic pub story as well too the audience was actually felt like a giant table of people listening into that the howls that were of disbelief and laughter were that of people who were gathered around a table listening to somebody tell the story that almost begins with the sentence, wait till I tell you what happened. <laughs> it's definitely a storyline that you will never see in a Mills and Boone book. It is about the grubbier side of love. I also feel that uh, I wonder, should we 
include for any listeners from abroad a little glossary for them about certain terms. For example, wearing the face off one another is an Irish term for shifting, which is also an Irish term for a French kissing or snogging. And also lob the gob is the act of initiating a kiss, but not just a peck. Lob the gob is how you initiate a shift or a face wear. Well, there you go. You learn so much, you know, but it's just by listening to this podcast about all the different uh, ins and outs uh, of dating uh, life. And we should say we don't in any way condone reversing into somebody as a way of <laughs> signifying the end of the end of the date. Lauren will go on to compete uh, with our other Story Slam winners uh, at our annual Grand Slam, uh, which takes place uh, later on at this year. Uh, keep an eye on www. DublinStorySlam.com website uh, for more information. Uh, we got one more story for you. Uh, if you're not loved out, um, this will, I think, is a really, it's a lovely little balanced story. It's a really sweet story from a guy called Mark Khan who actually travelled all the way from New Ross uh, in Wexford um, to be with us uh, on the night. So this is a very, very sweet story about Mark Khan and the first time that he went on a proper date. Welcome to Mark Khan, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Khan, here's Mark. Hey, Mark. Welcome, Mark. I remember the summer after I turned 17 as, as feeling like anything was possible. I felt like the world was mine to conquer. And um, i just passed my driving test and I had the chance to drive my mum's uh, Ford Escort and um, some of the time anyway. And... Um, it felt like, you know, in the northwest of England that there was great energy. It was a good time to be a young person and, and um, it was very exciting. And all this feeling of positivity and potential sort of came to a head for me when a, f- a girl asked her friend to tell my friend to a- ask me to ask her out. I mean, <laughs> that was Tinder in, when I was growing up. <laughs> and, um, um, and I say a girl, but really she was, she was the girl. She was... Uh, she was the girl that we all lusted after. Michelle was her name, and she was beautiful, and she was intelligent, and she was she was kind of culturally cool in a way that me and my friends weren't. And um, they all, all, also, my friends all said that there was a mistake. She definitely didn't want to go out with me because <laughs> she was way out of my league. But but I asked her, and she said yes. So, um, but she was very specific. She wanted to go out for dinner, and she wanted to go to this particular Italian restaurant. And that in itself was kind of, you know, it just kind of added to a mystique because going for dinner, I mean, I, I'd been out for tea, you know, <laughs> birthday teas with my mum and dad, but I'd never been out for... Dinner was New York, it wasn't Bolton, you know. And, uh, um, but, but, you know, there was a particular place she wanted to go to, so that's where I was going to take her. And as the date approached, I got a bit more nervous. And the night before the date, I borrowed the car and, and I drove to the restaurant because I wanted to make sure that I knew where I was going. Uh, but I also really wanted to know that I could park because <laughs> it, even though I'd passed my test, I couldn't really reverse very well. So, so I went in and I practiced and I knew I could get in and out and I had a quick look through the window and uh, I checked the menu and, you know, I, I'd sort of, you know, made sure I knew what the place was about. And the day of the date, the night of the date, the evening of the date, I drove to her house, followed her instructions because, you know, no mobile phones, no Google Maps in those days. And as I arrive at her house, 
she walks out the front door. Literally, as I'm pulling up, she walks out the front door. And I remember thinking two things. The first thing I thought was, wow, because Michelle was beautiful, like I said, but she was really, she was dressed with, with intent. She was dressed, you know, I mean, my mother, would, my mother would have said she almost had a skirt on. And, um, <laughs> and, and the, the second thing I remember thinking was, well, she didn't want me to go inside. And I, I didn't know what that meant, but I knew it sort of meant something. But I got out of the car and I ran around. I opened the door for her because I'd been brung up proper. And, um, <laughs> you, you know, and I got back in the car and we drove off and, you know, we, we started to chat and it's awkward. And she told me that, you know, she was still learning to drive and she thought I was a good driver and, uh, and that she liked the fact that I'd opened the door for her because she likes being treated like a lady. So it's all, it's going okay. And we pull up at the the restaurant and the, the, the one place that I most want to park in is free. So I park in there and I now know that I can get out, okay? So um, it's, it's going in, it's going, it's going great. We go inside the restaurant and uh, we get given a nice table and the, the waiters are attentive and one in particular is very attentive to her, but, but she's, a, she's a pretty girl, so that's fair enough. And we order our food and you know, I start to relax and, uh, and you know, she's laughing at my jokes and she opens up a little bit herself and she kind of apologizes for for um, coming out of the house really quickly and she said her dad's a bit embarrassing, he's very protective of her and he has this big thing about shaking a man by the hand and looking in his eyes and he can... So it's, you know, it's going okay. I do notice though that her eye is wandering and it's wandering particularly to this, uh, this waiter, it's Amy's good looking Italian waiter. And um, uh, so, yeah, I try not to let it affect the date and we keep chatting, but she gets up and goes to the ladies, she goes to the loo, and she's been gone a while, and uh, I keep eating, and, and then I notice that there's no waiter in sight. So I try not to, no, it's, I'm just being paranoid, and I keep eating, but she's still not back. So I think if I finish this food before she's back, I'm going to go and look for it. But as I'm getting close to finishing it, I'm sort of putting the last bits of pasta into my mouth, I get this slap on my back. And I, I turn around and I sort of inhale in, and it's the waiter, and he's come over to kind of joke with me. And he said that he'd seen me the night before trying to park. And he said, don't worry, your secret is safe with me, and I hope the date goes well, she's a lovely girl. And he's trying to tell me this, but I'd kind of inhaled this food. <laughs> and I'm sort of choking, and it's, I'm, <coughs> I'm trying to keep my cool and trying to talk to him. And um, Michelle comes back to the table and she's like, are you okay? <laughs> and there's nothing in my throat, but something, something weird is happening with my face. And, and <laughs> anyway, we finished, we finished eating and I get the bill and tip the waiter because he was great. And we go outside and going from the warm restaurant to the cold air or maybe from the cold air into the car, um, something, something in that change of temperature has started things moving. And I get in the car and, and I put it in reverse and look behind me and she looks where I'm going and I use that opportunity to sneak a look in the rear view mirror. And to my horror, I notice that I have a piece of pasta coming down the inside of my nose. <laughs> and um, I'm, not, I'm not a doctor. And I, de I, I definitely wasn't one then, but you know, ear, nose and throat, I suppose it's all connected and I inhaled it in some weird way. But, like, how it got there is not important. It's, like, what, what am I going to do with it now? The, the one thing I've got going for me is it's coming down this nostril, and she's on this side of me. So, so I carry on driving, and I'm you know, tr trying to keep the conversation going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and, and my driving's getting more erratic, but, but I realise that what I've got to do is I've got to do something because soon I'm going to arrive at her house and I'm going to have to turn and talk to her and, you know, I'm not going to get a kiss with a piece of pasta <laughs> hanging out my nostrils. So I make a plan that what I'll do is I'll wind the window down and I'll kind of pull it out and fling it out, distract her and fling it out the window. And so I'm driving along and just trying to keep coming. So yeah, happy Mondays, yeah, amazing, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm grinding all the gears because I still can't really drive at that stage. And, and I, I just can't do it. I don't have the dexterity. I don't have the, I don't have the driving skill at all. So plan B is as I arrive at her house, um, as I park the car, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get out of the car and run around to open the door for her because she likes the good manners. And as I'm going out, I'll pull it out my nose and throw it on the floor. Uh, so I pull up at the house and um, turn the engine off, open the door, grab hold of this thing. It's like a shoelace. <laughs> and uh, I've, got it in my, I've got it in my hand and I'm about to run round and a father walks out the front door and comes over to me and he goes, we didn't get to meet before. And I've got nowhere to go. Like literally, so I shake his hand. And I don't really know what, I, like people say, you know, make sure you've got a good ending to your story. I don't know what happened. I know it was in my hand and I know it wasn't when he walked his daughter back up into the house. So, you know, I can only think that he got in and, well, I, I, I just don't know what happened. I know, I know that that was my only date with Michelle. I know that by the end of the summer, she was dating the Italian waiter. Uh, and I also know that I was never, nobody ever called me pasta nose. Nobody ever ridiculed me for this ridiculous thing. So I can only think that he got in and looked down at his hand and just thought, Maybe you remembered how weird it is being a 17-year-old and, and, and gave me some grace. That was Mark Kahn with a story of pasta and love going awry. Um, there was a second there where I thought actually that the waiter was going to, you know, sneak away with his date on the night, but uh, it still took a pretty unexpected turn. I don't know if I was the only one picturing a Meet the Fockers version of Robert De Niro as the dad because he was a presence indoors and then he appears wanting to shake the hand and maybe a man of military bearing a man with very strict, easy to follow rules. Uh, and it was the way, just the way he appears in the story, the way Mark introduces him coming out of the house because he'd hinted at the start of the story that this was a habit that he had and he just arrives in in this incredible filmic moment. Well, it's a man who you would imagine you would really want to have clean hands, a firm handshake that he could tell a lot by this fella by shaking your hand. So handing him a little bit of your dinner that's gone through your nose. Yes. It's probably not the most, uh, you know, easiest way to impress him. It's certainly a calling card that will give him an impression of you much faster than your loosely held, ill-informed opinions. So that is it. That is the end of the episode. We hope you've enjoyed this little selection of stories that we've gathered for you today. Um, our thanks, as always, to the brave storytellers who get up and share such, like, sometimes painfully 
intimate and personal details about their lives. So a huge thanks to all those who continue to share uh, stories with the Dublin Story Slam. Uh, if you yourself want to get involved, if you want to share your own story, uh, go to the website, the thedublinstoryslam.com to find out when the next theme is, when the next night is. Uh, and then just email us the first line of your story. Uh, we have eight storytellers that we choose on the night and we uh, we give free passes uh, to the first eight storytellers. And we also let you in for free because sometimes those cues, Colm, can be pretty insane. And they're outdoors as well, too. You're talking... You know, queues snaking around the corner and driving blizzards. Has that happened yet? Have we had snowy queues? Not with the blizzards, you know, and thank God, because that's where you're like, okay, just get everybody indoors ASP because hypothermia is about to set in. So we ha- haven't had it that much. The weather's been pretty good with us. But regardless, it is the fastest way to get indoors. Uh, if you want to get up and tell a story, we'll let you in ahead of everybody else. Um, that is pretty much it. We will talk to you on the next podcast. Thanks a million for listening. Thank and you. And we'll see you next month. Bye. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.